Hello, welcome to another episode of Talking Shot. I'm Ross Greve, and today I am with international photographer Jonas Borg. All over in Sweden, how are you, mate? Hello, I'm fine. It's a beautiful fall day today, and uh, the sun is shining for a change. Whereabouts in Sweden are you? I'm based in Stockholm. Stockholm, ah, so Wales to Sweden today. Both, both in a little bit of sunshine. Yes. You were saying you, you've been out shooting today as well? Yes. This morning I, I'm doing a, a year-around project for the Swedish Royal Organization and their parks and uh, recreational areas, division of, of the Royal Court. So uh, one of the few engagements I've got with, with the Royal Family and the Royal Court. So that's nice. good to have some jobs. It is. So tell, tell us about that link you have with the Royal Family. Well, it started, I mean, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll keep it short and sweet. So it started with 10 years ago when the Swedish crown princess got married and uh, I was one out of two, maybe three official photographers to shoot their wedding who had like access pass to all areas. So it started with the job with the crown princess wedding. And since then I have been doing on and off work for them maybe once every three or four months at least for 10 years now. Nice. So that's, uh, that's keeping you honest at least, isn't it? Don't you love it when you do a podcast and then the next door neighbor starts chain throwing down a tree just outside? It's fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> that's fine. i got two kids at home right now, so we can have a background noise contest. So how's, um, how's lockdown or how's corona been in Sweden for you? It's been a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, Sweden in general got a lot of bad press because we are doing a very different approach to the rest of Europe and the rest of the world. However, I think that what Europe is doing now is very similar to what Sweden has done all the time. So we have been partial lockdown, but we are allowed to work, we're allowed to go to work. But if you can do social distancing, if you can work at home, if you can avoid meeting people, then you're supposed to do that. And the Swedes are very law-abiding people. So yeah, that is what we have been doing. And which means the kids are at school, the kindergarten is open, the workplaces, they are open, but we are told not to come in. So, But the problem is for me personally, as a photographer working with huge corporations and events and uh, concerts, it has been an economic downturn. Uh, having said that, we are getting paid from the government 80% of our salaries. If we are, if we only work 20%, yep. we are being paid 80%. Yep. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Like over here, it's, it's called the furlough scheme, which the government will pay eighty percent, and and then the employer will top up the other twenty percent. But uh, I think that's yeah. I don't know. It seems to be getting extended each month. It's a it's a strange world we live in. Things change every day, which is a nightmare as photographers, isn't it? Because you try and plan things. You've got shoots which you can shoot within guidelines, and you go and plan it. Then the next day, the goalposts are moved, so you can't do that because the guidelines have changed. You have to reschedule stuff. Clients get frustrated. You know, you're doing everything by the book. You're not exactly going to a pub with a crowd of people. You're um, being very, very careful. And that's obviously had a huge impact on photographers worldwide on how they work. Can you sort of see, and you know, obviously that, uh, depending on, it's also about uh, a bit of a, adapting as well. Mm. Then, because in Sweden we are like it was, so we can work, but now it's more live streaming. It's more like more video rather than still jobs. So uh, it's about, I think, adapting. I and mean, for me personally, I prefer still photography, mm. but I think video and uh, motion picture is what we need to aim for 
at least yeah. now. Well, I mean, you and I both been Lumix ambassadors as well. We're sort of privileged in that part because the equipment we use is a, a lot of it is hybrid so hybrid mean that you know you can shoot stills and you can shoot video on the same equipment but you like you said you've you've adapted i've adapted i never used to really shoot video as well you i've seen you work you shoot you know like a lemon mad chicken running around <laughs> and you get a lot and i've got i've learned some great tips and skills from you as well you know from using a boom pole just to get that awesome sort of unique angle as well but as a photographer, moving into video, how did you find that? Did you find it difficult? Do you find it sort of alien or? I think that the, I think the biggest problem and the most tedious problem is the editing. I love shooting, and that's but that's the same with still photography. I love shooting. I yeah. really detest editing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and with with video uh, editing, it's so much more crucial, and you need to be so much more. You need to be more thorough when editing video, and uh, mm. of course, then you have the challenge having a sound and how to cut things and how to get the right feel. So there are more parameters doing video than doing stills. And the editing is much more important when it's come to video. Mm. But it's but the shooting, I love the shooting, no problem at all. And yeah. that's why also I have an editor, I have a, a guy who is editing and I have him employed as well. So I have a, so I can go out shoot and then I can give give it to him and he will make the magic. Does, does he come back and go, oh, Jonas, would you stop doing this? Because it make my life easier. Yeah, if you did something else like this. Yes, he, he is very direct in feedback. So, and I and, and I have learned a lot and from from him because of obviously because he's not uh, his name is Dennis and he is uh, he has. Uh, only he got a kidney, so he is not allowed to meet people because of all his medicines. So I haven't I, seen. I met Dennis at Photokina. Oh yes, yeah, you met Dennis, yeah, uh, at Photokina. So, so he, in order for also for me to be able to pay his salary, he needs to do editing, so I can go out shoot. But he comes with great tips and great hints on how I should shoot to become more efficient. So I do learn a lot from him. And I do a lot of editing myself, but if I wanted to have it done really nicely, I send it to him because he's, he's better than me. And my, it hurts my ego to say that, but he's actually better. <laughs> but I found, I found as a photographer, you, you'll go out and you'll shoot and you'll try and get as much correcting camera as possible. Yes. And then you go and shoot video and then you bring it back. And I just found this wave of frustration because I thought what I had recorded in video, oh, that was perfect. And then you bring it in and you're like, oh. It's not as good as I thought. And then I've got to do so many steps to get it even near the way I want it. Whereas stills, okay, yeah, I've been shooting stills a lot longer than shooting video. Is that just that element of frustration just creeps in. And like you say, you're, you're fortunate to have someone like Dennis. Yes, absolutely. I am. But also I try to make make the workflow easier. But And also then we have the vlog, which is for me, it took so much time to learn to see through the haze of vlog on the screen to actually see yeah. the end result uh, yeah. but after some practice i can actually see the end result as re- as i'm recording it but it's it took a long time in the beginning to understand that this kind of grayish image could become something very beautiful in the end there's a absolutely fantastic talking about beautiful color there's an absolutely fantastic youtube uh, clip from I think the director of photography of Joker and he goes through all the complementary colors and how they used warms against colds and uh, greens with reds and 
uh, and how they lit it and why they lit it. And, you know, from the fridge scene, when he opens it, it's very cold. And then behind that, it's warm. So you get this sort of isolated look. And it's very, very clever use of colour. And I think once, like you say, you're talking about grading and, and using a V-log. And once people understand that, and like you say, the art of it is actually seen through the haze. That's half the battle, isn't it? Because people just see it and they oh, no, it's flat. What do I do now? That, well, that's your base colour, if you like. That's, that's your undercoat. And then you're going to lift it. Yeah, it's a different beast as well. And I think a lot of people don't understand it as well. And gosh, I'm, I'm sure if I had Nick Driftwood on here, he would talk for hours on Vlog. You know, he, he loves that sort of stuff. I love colour grade and I love colour correction and colour management. That sort of uh, excites me like a little geek. So uh, that you've been talking about uh, earlier in the in this pod, you were talking about printing and uh, and uh, how to colour and how to think colours. And it was, it was very interesting. I learned a lot from, I don't remember which uh, your guests who you talked Oh, no, I think that might have, there was a guy called Ashley, um, Ashley Bowen from Color Confidence. I think that's who we were talking to. But when you just dive into color, people get scared of it. Like photographers get scared of video. They want to run away from it. But once you actually sort of understand it, it's very, very simple. And it makes your life so much easier. Yeah, and I, I enjoy that podcast because I'm not a technical photographer in any way. And that comes, <laughs> that goes through everything because I want things to work and I don't really care how it works. It just helps me to yeah. become a better photographer. Even if I get, when I learn things like that podcast regarding colors or when my uh, editor tells me how to do things more efficient, I do learn, I, I do become better. But again, for me to go into, I'm not a nerd that could deep dive into all kinds of technical aspects of photography and colors and printing and video shooting. I just want things to work and maybe because yeah. I have a simple mind. So that's, but that's just how I am as a photographer that. Yeah. You don't read the manual. You're a bit like me. You think, or oh, I'll pick it up and I'll play with it. I'm not going to read the manual, right? It does what I want it to. Oh, it can also do all this other stuff. That's really cool. <laughs> Exactly. That's that's how, yeah. how I do it. And then if somebody shows me, oh, you can do this and this, oh, wow, well, cool. Then I'll. But I'm not a big pre pre purchase researcher when it comes to yeah. anything, basically. So when when you're out and about and you're shooting, do you really organize yourself for a shoot, or do you sort of go out there and sort of go, oh, I'll see what happens, sort of thing, or you? I'm more of a. I I have a kind of a general plan. Like my goal is, uh, it could be, and it could be like if I'm traveling, it could be a physical. I'm going from A to B to C, uh, but yep. I will venture off to Z, G, H before coming to B. And that's the same if I'm doing in in a studio. I have a kind of an end goal, uh, but the way to that goal is not very planned because. But I have a general wish that I would like to have these kinds of results. But how I get there could take could go in many, many different ways. One thing I love asking people and photographers, because it sort of throws them, what do you loathe, love, and can't live without? Oh, no, I've, I mean, I love shooting. I actually, to go out, go out and shoot those images that people have not seen before and yeah. getting that reaction. You have seen, you're looking upon this event or this happening or this person in this way. I've never seen it this way before. Why is it that way? Yeah, and that's what I really love, to surprise people. Yeah, to surprise people. To surprise people, yeah, that's cool. So that's your love. What's your loathe? Oh, uh, I would say it's not easy, is it? I know. I mean, <laughs> I, something that really annoys me are customers who wish for things that 
are impossible. They don't have the knowledge to do informed orders because you... Or the classic line, oh, can you just fix that in Photoshop? Yes, exactly. Mm. Or, <laughs> oh, I want flaming unicorns, but I only have budget for a limp donkey. I mean, it's uh, like, uh, and it's a where, where to start. I mean, you cannot ha- have a flaming unicorn because you don't have budget to do this. Or it's just, no, I think that, no, this is quite... A, difficult that's a very it's a great question isn't it (laughs) no i would say no i would say because there are people who are curious and don't know anything and then there are people who are ignorant who think they know things but don't know things and i would say that's uh, i would say if you are open that oh i don't know how photography works i don't know how to how to be a good customer to a photographer i will ask and because our job is to fulfill our customers visions or needs or whatever but yeah. if you have somebody who is yeah if you are trump-esque i would loathe that because people who have a lot of opinions and not very much knowledge i think that yeah. it's such a steep uphill battle to explain what is doable and what is not and why it costs money or why you cannot have it for free and i think that uh, i think uh, ignorance I would say. It- See, I always find this really interesting is that people will say, oh, can you do that for the cost of a, a beer to go and shoot this thousands of pounds campaign? And they think imagery should be cheap. But at the end of the day, that's the only thing that's going to sell your product is the imagery. Yeah. Yes, maybe a clever script, but everything out there to sell is visual. You have to be able to look at it, see it online, video stills. And that's a, that should be the most important and um thing you should invest in it's like a wedding photographer isn't it if you want a really good wedding photographer you're gonna to have to pay for it yeah absolutely yeah you're not gonna go and get you know jimmy from the college and say oh can you shoot my wedding but i want it to look like a fairy tale and uh, i want it to be of jonas's quality yeah well you know that's not gonna happen is it? <laughs> no because i usually say you pay peanuts you get monkeys 100 percent. but on on that you know looking at a photographer's portfolio can be quite revealing if you look at a photographer's portfolio it's going to tell a lot about them what they can do what their ability is what their level is but what does your portfolio reveal about you i would say diversity it's uh, it's a very diverse portfolio ranging from corporate portraits to large events to now the royal parks gardens but to be honest i'm not really a confident landscape photographer at all so i don't really know why they hired me to do this but as i said (laughs) today i i use my own kids as models so they're throwing leaves at each other and that's much more comfortable having people in my shots it's not easy is it people think oh landscape i'm just gonna sit on the side of a hill and press the shutter it's not no landscape is difficult but i would say that as long as my images includes people doing things i'm yeah. quite comfortable but you're a good social photographer you love the interaction between people and that i think think um you strive off that as well yeah but when you step out of your comfort zone which ironically is without people then you go oh yeah no it's like, again it's, it's really this is a classic case of fake it till you make it because i'm really not every time i press send when i'm sending my park pictures to the the guy in charge it's like oh he's going to see see through this this is really not good. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, that. You, you're only as good as your last shoot, aren't you? But I'm like that. You send stuff off and you're thinking, oh, I really hope they like it. Oh, no. And you're thinking, oh, I must do better next time. And then they come back. Oh, that was amazing. Really, yeah. really. You've over-delivered. Thank you so much. And you're thinking, oh, that's great. But I think that's, that shows you care about your product and you care about your photography and you care about your client as well. If you're prepared to sort of put in that, that leg room and go, right, I'm going to really blow this out the park. 
But if you sort of, I think if you were complacent and you thought, yeah, that's really good work, they, they are going to like that, your imagery wouldn't be as good. No. And of course, sometimes when I'm doing a wedding or if I'm doing a corporate event or you know, shooting people, I kind of know what kind of images that I get that reaction. So, yeah. which is, I'm much more confident photographing people, but uh, mm. so I could, okay, they will like this image because of this and this and this and this. While doing the parks, I have, I have no reference points on what is, I can see a landscape photos if somebody else have taken it. Uh, I can say, oh, this is very nice. This is not very nice. But my own work with doing something that is so not what I my not what I usually do is very, it's very hard to see if it's good or bad or worthy. What about your own sort of personal work, Jonas? So, you know, you obviously have a bit of time for that with having a young family and stuff. Personal work, I do love uh, travel photography and street photography. Yeah. We love a street photography. They go hand in hand and just to go out and in any city or any location just to see if you can walk around, see if you find these, again, people doing things, these small uh, uh, micro, micro scenes that is happening on the streets in in every city. I I like to go and try to capture that. So what's what's one of your favorite cities to do street photography? Uh, I would say uh, Tokyo, second to none, or, or Japan. Yeah. Japan's amazing, isn't yeah. it? For that? And because also people don't mind being photographed over there no. so much. And actually, I, I, I've noticed that if you are a Caucasian, or if you, if you are, if it's very apparent that you're not Japanese, it's easier. Because yes. I'm half Japanese. So yes. I know that people just think, look at me and think I'm a bit weird. So I, actually, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that maybe some of the pod listeners to this pod might have experienced the same thing. Because I know many photographers who go to Japan then they are it's easy to work for them but for me even though I'm quite used to shooting street I think that shooting street in Japan is a bit harder because they look upon me as a Japanese and they are much more hesitant towards me see I I found exactly the same thing when I was shooting in New Zealand so I was shooting in Auckland and I went out to do some street stuff and because I was local it's sort of like oh you know get out of my way sort of thing whereas Anywhere else in the world, I've got that accent and like yourself, same. And you can sort of approach people and you can get away with stuff. You know, you can play the tourist card if you like. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really interesting that you say that, that and you experience that because I just thought, oh no, maybe I'm a bit weird, but um, yeah, that's true. But it, it does happen. That's really interesting. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how other people think about that too. So what, what's sort of coming up, Jonas, after your, your project you're shooting now, you're not in lockdown at the moment, you lucky things. Uh, my October has been very, very good. My November and December is so-so or actually on the border of bad, but I think things will show up and I do have a side project or passion project, which is a YouTube channel. So yep. I think that I just passed 500,000 views on 11 videos, which is good. Oh, fantastic. So the YouTube channel is about how it is to work within Swedish emergency services. So it's a, the market is very narrow, but... Uh, and we'll put a link on how to learn Swedish in there as well. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, it's lockdown, so it's a good opportunity to learn a new language. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so I'm doing that and I'm actually having a few sponsors for each 
episode so I could do that. But then the emergency services are on lockdown and they are not allowed to meet, take visitors. So I yeah. need to kind of work around that. So, but I'm filming my uh, season two right now. So I'm, uh, I've been at police horses, uh, ambulance. I'm doing an animal ambulance and I'm doing like a volunteer search and rescue party. So I'm, I could keep myself busy, even though I'm not making much money on those, but it's still, it's something. And it's also about perception that I can look busy to my existing customers. So so that's also very good to have this side project. It does. It keeps your face out there and, you know, it keeps you in front of people as well, which I think people forgive out a little bit. They go, right, I'm not getting out of bed for less than that. And But if they're a bit proactive like yourself and they get out there and when people want something done, oh, we'll get Jonas. Exactly. He's been, under, he's been on our radar all the time, so yeah. we'll get him. But that's really interesting to say that as well. So with your brand that you've built up, how long would you say it so it actually took you to build that brand? I would say it took seven years-ish. Mm. Which is quite quick, really, I think. Yeah. So seven, ten years, it's hard to say exactly when, when the brand became a brand. But I would say that after working at seven years, I kind of found my niche, which is the like documentary-ish kind of photographer, videographer. I'd say your glasses are your brand. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm very happy with these glasses. Well, you, you'll, you'll see from the um, the thumbnail on the podcast what I'm talking about anyway. Jonas's iconic look that he has. <laughs> yes, you can't you can't miss them at all. They're fantastic. And also, I was just going to go back to you know Sweden and talking about you photographing. I love photographing people. So it's sort of been diluted a bit at the moment, if you like. Yeah, it has been because there is almost no street life, and there's uh, all major events has been cancelled and. But uh, doing most like videos and I'm doing some production shots that doesn't involve meeting other people. So 2020 has been an, an odd year. But also yeah. it has one thing I've noticed and this is when I don't know the English saying if bad luck for some people is good luck for other people. I know there's a, an expression in English that kind of explains that. But because thank for me in Sweden, thank to Europe being shut down, a lot of work that was supposed to be done in Europe has been trickled up to me in Sweden. Yep. So because a lot of companies still have need of content. And if the photographers in England, France, Germany, wherever are not allowed to work, customers are seeking content elsewhere. So I have mm. actually been uh, being semi-busy with doing jobs uh, from Sweden that might have not been considered otherwise. But that also goes back to, you know, you're keeping your name out there so people will know you're active, know you're working. So they know they're going to send it over to you. That's really positive. But let's flip it to something else completely different now. And, and talking about, you know, being in lockdown, what sort, what sort of movies and, and uh, Netflix stuff have you been binge watching? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, of of course, uh, I, look, uh, I watched Chernobyl again, of course, because it has a lot of Swedish director and a lot of Swedish cast. But then, oh, one of my favorite, the English-British show Taskmaster. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've just got into that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. A guy called Greg Davis, I think, uh, hosts that. Yeah. So Taskmaster, and then there's a Swedish a Swedish version of that as well, which is quite funny. And then, uh, but I'm more of a documentary buff rather than uh, doing the long drama things. So, and of course, now the latest is of course the US election but anyway hey Jonas um, I can't wait till you and I can have a beer again because I think the last time was in Parma yes, when we were was. out there for a, for a product launch that was, that was a hell of a lot of fun but I really can't wait to sort of catch up with you again and it's always a pleasure 
talking to you. It's just like a, a complete pub chat with you, mate. It's brilliant. Thank you so much. And thank you for having But, me on the on the podcast or on the show. Pleasure, mate. If people want to catch up with you, where, where's the best place to find you? Uh, best is Instagram. Uh, it's uh, Jonas T. Borg, J-O-N-A-S. T-B-O-R-G. Jonas Tborg uh, is my Instagram uh, username. And of course, you find me Jonas Borg on Facebook. But I think Instagram is the best place to find me. Yeah, it, it certainly is. Well, I'll pop all that down in the description for you, mate. Great to see you. Great to see you looking healthy too. And we'll catch up soon, buddy. Thank you. Have a good Love one. Bye-bye.